Hello and welcome to the Moncast. A podcast where we watch Pokemon and Digimon in tandem and discuss the similarities and differences that they share. My name's not Stevie. And my name's not Sam. And the score currently stands at 1816 to Pokemon. And this time we're watching episode 35, The Legend of Dratini, The Bridge Bike Gang and Flower Power. first episode we're talking about today is actually the first proper band episode there was one before beauty and the beach that's the one but james got breasts and it got banned but there was also a slight dub of it which we watched this is the first one where there hasn't been a dub so technically it's the first fully banned episode so we're just going to do a little bit about it just to tell everybody so i have questions and steve is going to answer them because stevie doesn't talk enough in these episodes i will do my absolute very best to speak for as long an amount of time as i can possibly manage before i unfortunately have to stop talking and instead be quiet for a length of time before i then resume talking again so what is the plot of this episode loosely well they actually end up in the safari zone for real this time and there's an old guy he points a gun at them a lot and warns them not to go searching for a Dratini that's in the safari zone somewhere. And they, of course, go looking for the Dratini. They are actually interrupted by Team Rocket at one point, as is the norm, because that's what Team Rocket does all of the time. And Team Rocket challenges them to some sort of Pokemon battle, but lets Ash go and catch Pokemon first, and he just catches a whole lot of Tauros, because he can't throw the Pokeballs at anything other than Tauros. They make a wager with Ash. They say that if he catches more Pokemon than them, they'll stop pestering him. But if if they catch more Pokemon than him, he has to give up all his Pokemon to them. And Ash says yes, because why not? Oh, I got the impression that they were catching Pokemon and then they were going to have a Pokemon battle. I must have missed a line. Yeah, they're going to see who catches the most Pokemon. And then if Ash wins, Team Rocket leave him alone but if he loses he gets he loses all of his pokemon which you know i would have just said no because you know team rocket will not stick to their promise if they lose this is actually all a ruse so that they can go and torture the old man to get information about dratini out of him so they go off to catch these pokemon and there's a couple of scenes where ash is trying to catch pokemon he just ends up catching tauros no matter what whilst team rocket have got some sort of tickling machine and they're trying to convince this guy to tell them where this Dratini is. So eventually things happen, they find the Dratini, and then Team Rocket throws some dynamite into this water so it can essentially blow up all the Pokemon there. And then the guy goes to, to go and get the bomb. It's basically a stick of dynamite with a timer on it. But instead Ash goes down and then Ash drowns. Almost, yeah. And then Dratini has evolved into a Dragonair and it picks Ash out of the water and is flying. And then they throw the bomb back at Team Rocket and then boom they blast off and then the guy sees dragonair and is all really emotional and stuff and that's pretty much it so why was this episode banned because the old man has a revolver i think it is and points it at ash and other characters on many occasions he has a couple of guns doesn't he doesn't he have like two i'm sure he points two at team rocket or something like that either way he shouldn't be pointing guns at people expect well with team rocket they're stood on the sign the entrance to the safari zone and he just shoots at them a lot a lot a lot so there's people being shot at there's also dynamite i mean like a a comedy bomb which is like a 
black ball is kind of okay but with like a stick of dynamite that they're, they're throwing into the water to kill the pokemon basically is a bit dangerous so yeah you can see why they would have banned it there was also a scene where meowth had a mustache that looked a bit too much like hitler's mustache oh when they're interrogating the guy so third question do you think this banning was justified yes i would say so do you think they could have changed it so that they could have released it without the ban the bits that need to be banned i think it would have been five minutes shorter <laughs> Because there's so many scenes with this old man with the guns. And they couldn't do what they do in Yu-Gi-Oh! Which is get rid of the gun and just replace it with them pointing. They could try it, but it wouldn't make sense at all. Especially when Team Rocket are dancing around, (laughs) avoiding being shot. That would be pretty funny. Are there any important plot points that we missed from this episode? Ash catches a whole lot of Tauros. I think the only Pokemon he catches in the Safari Zone is Tauros. Yeah, it would have mentioned if he'd caught anything else. And they all just get sent straight back to Professor Oak. Because he won't need a Tauros in his team at all. And he's got, I think it's 30 or something. Something like that, yeah. Any favourite moments from this? Or if there's something you could you took away from the episode that you would like to share? Listening to the Japanese voices was really interesting. Because quite a few of them I felt sort of matched with the English quite well. But then some of them are bad <laughs> like ash's voice i didn't like ash's voice yeah I, th- I thought misty's was a bit weird what did you think of ash himself though in the episode did you think he looked he acted a little less ash like no i think he still seemed pretty silly and a bit stupid i thought misty slash kasumi was was quite good she had some good moments where she was fishing and she has a special misty lure and then when ash goes down to get the explosive she uses staryu to help ash go down and, and pick up the the older guy it was cool she had some nice moments in it professor oak's voice sounded bad as well it felt like it was too serious anything else you want to say about this episode oh there was a funny moment where team rocket fall from the sign and james pulls the parachute but of course they've fallen from a very short sign <laughs> and they just slam straight into the ground he's like i've got a parachute for these sort of occasions and as as it's opening there's fall straight down and then the parachute lands on top of them and they're just underneath trying to get out. That was that was quite a good moment. That was funny. Quite a lot of it's just the same as the dub, really. It's got a similar tone. It's pretty similar in like every regard. I do think Ash might have been portrayed as the righteous hero a bit more. A bit more than Satoshi. No, I mean Ash in the sub, whatever he's called in the sub. You mean that uh, in the sub he seems more like a, a chosen hero person? Yeah, it seems a lot more blatantly obvious. As opposed to Ash, who's kind of an idiot, just waddling around doing what he does and just gets himself into situations. I don't think there's much else worth mentioning about this episode. So that's the first band episode, The Legend of Tatini. It was okay, it was filler, apart from the fact that Ash gets a load of Taurus. So we'll have to see if he uses them at any point in the future. The first episode we are watching this time is The Bridge Bike Gang. The gang are out of the safari zone in an unnamed city when they spot a bridge spanning miles of ocean to the next town. Unfortunately, it's still under construction with only the bike path being open for use. The gang then get given bikes by the plot slash Nurse Joy who has tasked them with taking some medicine to the next town over to help a sick Pokemon. On the way, they get distracted by a battle and a bike gang and they jump over a drawbridge and cycle through a storm just to generally tit about really. I don't get the point in this episode. <laughs> no, a lot of it is pointless. There seems to be a lot of drama for the sake of drama. Like the storm that happens for five minutes and is only there to cause tension. And the the drawbridge that opens apparently 
for no other reason than tension, why didn't they wait for the drawbridge to close? Because there was a sick Pokemon that they needed to get to as soon as possible. It was counting on them. <laughs> well, I'll start from the start. So they're going to Sunnytown, which is the town over the bridge, which was an interesting name. No, Sunnytown, why not? Sounds much nicer than Gringy City. Don't they mention Gringy City in this one? I think Brock talks to Nurse Joy and says, are you related to the Nurse Joy in Gringy City? And of course, they're cousins. Yes, they're always cousins. So they want to go over the bridge and the bridge is closed because it's still not finished yet, even though Brock just said, I can't believe it's finished. But then they go, no, it's not actually finished. It's the bike road that's still open. And turns out they don't have bikes and Misty throws some shade at Ash for the whole bike thing. And I was quite happy that she did that because we haven't seen him pay her back for the bike at all. I thought that was a bit silly, though. It was a good thing. I mean, if there's an opportunity to bring it up in a conversation, then by all means, bring it up. Yeah, but it sounds like she's blaming him for them all not being able to get across. But that doesn't make sense because they couldn't all get across on one bike. It doesn't make sense for the one bike, but I suppose she could just jab at him about the fact that he still has not given her anything for the bike. So they go and look at some bikes in a shop window, and I love this bit where they're looking at the bikes and then they lower their head because they're all bothered by it, and Pikachu just gets smushed against the window. I thought that was really cute because Pikachu's always on Ash's head, and I think sometimes he just forgets he's there. Misty says she's going to come up with a plan. They go to the Pokemon Center, and they're sat there, and I like... Ash and Misty's little back and forth. Ash saying, so have you thought of a plan yet? And Misty just being like, no, I haven't thought of anything at the moment. And then Nurse Joy just happens to walk past and goes, would you guys do me a favour? I will give you bikes to take this thing somewhere else. You know that place you want to go? And it's it's that thing where Ash and Co just get dragged into things around them for some reason. It's very convenient. Very, very convenient. Because if they didn't have this, then what would the episode be? Just they're in the Pokemon Centre now. They can't cross over. The end. Also, why would the Pokemon Center have bikes? I don't know. It does make the whole setup of the episode completely redundant. It seems quite contrived that they need bikes and just so happens to be that the Pokemon Center has bikes and it's like that doesn't really make any sense for that to happen other than to advance the plot. And one of my first problems with this episode is that if the medicine's that important to get there, they could have sent maybe a flying type Pokemon with the medicine over. Later on in the episode, Officer Jenny offers to escort them to the Pokemon Center. Why not just have Officer Jenny take it? Because if she's on a, a motorbike, which is a lot faster than a push bike, she could have got there a lot sooner. Maybe have the Pokemon transported to this Pokemon Center through its po- through a Pokeball. They have other options, but it just seems so plot convenient that they have this medicine that they have to take to the next town. And the only way they can get it there is with a push bike. It's because Ash is the chosen hero and he must be the one to deliver the medicine. And Ko, of course, just follows behind because that's what Ko always does. They're literally on a uh, a tandem bicycle, so they don't even get their own bikes. They have to share a bike. One thing I thought was quite nice was when they started cycling, it played the bike theme from the game. Oh, that's nice. I didn't make that connection. Little Easter egg for the actual games themselves. Got a note saying they mentioned bikes a bit too much. Even when they stop to have a, a breather, Ash is like, oh, this is a really good workout. And everyone's like, yeah, bikes are great, kids. You should all go and exercise on a bike. And then this gang of fools appear, this bicycle gang. And it's like, a bicycle gang isn't threatening. It's some youths on bikes. That's not a scary thing. If there are motorbikes, I can understand. But they're just some people on push bikes that they probably got from Halfords or something. 
and the bridge isn't even finished yet and there are already miscreants and they're not allowed to pass until they battle what happens if they don't have pokemon they could just say to the people we don't we don't have pokemon to battle and they could say you have a pikachu and they could say he's a pet he's a friend we don't battle we don't do battles so can we pass everybody else is passed but no ash has got that protagonist aura around him where things have to happen to him so they ask ash to battle him ash is like no i need to keep going because i've got some medicine and something really important to do so they leave him alone and he cycles over there and they get to the other side and it's all good except that doesn't happen because ash is an idiot and instead decides to battle instead of saying we've got to send some medicine over which he does later on in the episode and they're like oh, I can't believe you're doing that. That's a really good thing to do. And then they let him pass. Instead, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll battle you. We've got nothing important to do right now. But he's so okay to go and battle some random people. But the second it's like, oh, that's a drawbridge, you're going to have to wait for a moment. He's like, no, I don't have to. I guess I'll jump over this. He does whatever's the most exciting and dramatic thing at the time. So they battle, and the first battle is against a golem. And he uses Bulbasaur, which is a good choice. Decent choice typing's spot on and then he uses charmander who is weak to rock good choice typing spot on oh, oh wait charmander <laughs> maybe use squirtle who would be more effective but i do feel like squirtle would have been a good match because also golem can learn ground attacks and bulbasaur is grass and poison and poison's weak to ground so squirtle has an advantage there charmander's definitely weak to ground as well squirtle can use special attacks which golem's weak to because it's got really high defense and Char- uh, Bulbasaur uses physical attacks. Look at me getting all technical. But yeah, Charmander was a bad choice. The only worst choice he could really pick is Pikachu. But Pikachu would have won anyway, because that's how the anime works. Oh yeah, Pikachu would have just used Thunder Attack and won. <laughs> so then the next Pokemon battle is Cloyster. And Misty says, oh, it's a water Pokemon. I'll, I'll battle it. And attempts to send out Starmie, I think it is. But instead, Psyduck comes out, and oh my god, I love Psyduck so much. Psyduck is just fantastic all the time. Misty asks it to use Tail Whip, and it uses Tail Whip and injures itself because it gets spiked in the butt by Cloyster. This duck is so, so ridiculous. And then she asks it to use Scratch. Scratch doesn't hurt. It hurts itself, so it freaks out even more. And Misty's like, it needs to get a bigger, bigger headache. So she picks up a bike, and she wants to throw it at Psyduck to give him a headache. And it's like... Oh, bless. Brock's like, no, that's not the best thing to do. Don't assault your Pokemon to give it a headache. It's the best idea, though. It's the only way that Psyduck can actually be useful. It's really unfortunate, though, that it has to suffer to get its powers. It's almost like Kari, almost, that it needs to suffer to do its thing. Aww. And then who else but Team Rocket show up doing their thing on unicycles. They're amazing. The gang treat them with so much respect, but they're on unicycles. Is this a thing? How, you can't be a threatening gang member if you're on a unicycle. Okay, I disagree. You disagree, why? Because unicycles are where it's at. Is this a hipster thing, or are you being serious? No, unicycles are actually cool. Yeah, they're okay. They have to be really well balanced to do anything. Can't go very fast on a unicycle, though. It's Team Rocket. They can go as fast as they want on the unicycle. So they have flashbacks to who they are, because this gang know Team Rocket. They know them as Jess and Jim. <laughs> But the one where it flashes back to Jessie swinging her chain, because apparently she cycled in a dress with a chain on a bike. What I noticed was the road when she's cycling is so badly animated, it's shaking so violently. It was funny. And then there's James, who has training wheels. And to be fair, these gang members haven't insulted him for not being able to ride a bike without training wheels, which is okay. Apparently it made him really cool. Stabilizers are cool. 
They're cool, kids. Don't feel bad about riding a bike with stabilizers. But on the other hand, also swinging a chain around in the air is really cool. So they're sending pretty mixed messages to the kids that should be on bicycles. So Team Rocket have appeared and given us a backstory for no reason. It just pads out the episode. I think it's very important because it explains why so many of their inventions are pedal powered. That actually is really good. I didn't think of that. That's actually quite cool. It's pretty cool. A bit of backstory to Team Rocket. I like that. I like this idea. It's nice. Okay, that's that's cheered me up, actually. That, that's quite a good thing. So Officer Jenny turns up and decides to escort Ash and Co. across the bridge instead of taking the medicine herself, which she should have done if she's going to go that far anyway. But then she gets a phone call from somebody else and she has to leave because why not? Like, these things happen for no reason. The gang should have just gone and started and, and driven. They would be there by now if they didn't battle. But no, they had to have all this stuff going and all these digressions. So now they've got nothing to stop them, except now they decide to add a storm just to increase tension. But the storm looks really cool. It does, but it lasts like all of five minutes. I liked the storm. It's not often we see weather other than sunshine and rainbows. It's there to add the tension. The second the tension's over, it goes away. The storm lasts all of five minutes. It's there before they're going over the bridge. They jump over the bridge and then it's gone because there's no more tension anymore. Well, they have done this before when the flock of Spearow was attacking Ash and Pikachu. There was a storm then that just came out of nowhere. And that lasted all of the encounter. Pretty much. So apparently in the Pokemon world, storms last five minutes. Usually. Team Rocket are inside and the gang are like, oh, you guys could go out in this storm for some reason because you're really cool. And Jesse and James are like, uh, we don't really want to do that. Jesse's there with a towel and a cup of something to drink. And I'm like, that's so great. She just wants to be cosy inside while there's a storm outside. And the gang members are like, no, you can do this. You're really cool. We'll support Team Rocket and you because you're great. They basically get peer pressured into it because everyone sees them as idols. And it's like, come on, you've got to show us how it's done. In the time it's taken from them to cycle away and for Officer Jenny to talk to Ash and Co., They've managed to cycle to the other side of the bridge and get into a building. So that's why when they jump over the drawbridge, they're on the other side. So it's it's not that far away. So why did it take that long for Ash and Co. to get to this other side of the bridge? It makes no sense. This shouldn't have been an episode. Okay, it's nowhere near as bad as the last episode. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The last episode was absolute garbage. It still upsets me to think about it. This episode's okay. It's okay, but it, it's filler and it's pointless and they add extra bits in to just make it more tense and stuff. And I like the idea. I really do like the idea of, of them having to deliver some medicine. It's a fetch quest. They have to go and take this thing to somewhere else to advance the story. And it was nice. I'm actually really glad you mentioned the whole Team Rocket's machines are mostly pedal powered. It makes sense. But then they're coerced into jumping over this drawbridge because there's a drawbridge that's opened up. And Misty and Brock are like, we should stop because this is what people do. And Ashley's like, no, it's a storm and it's tension and I'm going to do it. So we're going to do it. Instead of Misty and Brock just stopping and saying, no, this is dumb. We're not going to do this. They also do it. So Team Rocket jump over from one side. On unicycles. Because that's the fastest mode of transport to get over a bridge. Ash and Co. jump over from the other side. And it looks like they're going to make it. And then Team Rocket start falling. And Ash and Co. just assault them in the head or something with their bikes. Bounce on them in midair. Because that's how physics work. Which would have actually probably killed Team Rocket. Would have probably killed both of them. Really, they should have both just fallen in. Team Rocket would have been knocked out by that, and then they would have fallen into water, and then they would have just drowned. They're invincible. I reckon they're probably animatronics. They're just clones, and every time a pair dies, the leader of Team Rocket just lets out another pair. They could be immortal. 
and invincible. They could. They could just be ghosts. Maybe they're ghosts. They could be figments of Ash's imagination because he's in a dream, in a coma. Probably. So then they jump over to the other side and the evil gang are there and they're saying, how could you do that? We're going to stop you or something. And Ash is like, nope, I need to deliver this medicine. And they're like, oh, that's really cool of you, actually. I'm going to cry because it's emotional. Go ahead. We'll clear the way for you. And it's like, clear the way. It's a bike road. There will only be other bikes. Also, there's a storm. So there's going to be nothing in the way, except maybe yourselves. But then also, you got to the other side of the bridge to be in the little house. So you're not that far away from it. And also the storm ended, so it lasted five minutes. And then they get to the Pokemon Center and pour the powder on a shelter. And it was so close to dying. It was so close. You could tell. It had its eyes closed and everything. But then it got this powder and immediately felt a lot better and was fine. Well, I suppose revives are a thing in the Pokemon world. But I feel like that would be something that they could handle in a Pokemon Center. A center designed to heal sick Pokemon. But Ash and Co succeed in their fetch quest. And then we see Team Rocket riding out of the sea on a unicycle. And they end with the best pun ever of this is a vicious cycle i did appreciate the pun that's the best team rocket ending so far have you got any notes about this episode there was one part where nurse joy was calling nurse joy and that just really abused me it's funny to just see a character calling themselves and i think that's pretty much everything else that i haven't mentioned favorite thing jess and jim okay why because team rocket are amazing they're actually funny i like funny people yeah they they were okay in this episode i'm glad that you you mentioned the whole cycle power that's really made it make sense a bit more this episode seemed more focused around team rocket than ash's quest which is okay i I want some team rocket centric episodes yeah i'm happy to have any episodes that don't focus on ash gives him less opportunities to be an idiot my favorite thing was psyduck because psyduck was great because even when it's using defensive attacks like tail whip it hurt itself and kept getting hurt and making it a lot worse to the point where Misty got so annoyed she was going to hit it with a bike. And I thought that was great. Anytime Psyduck's there is great. It was silly that Misty took over though. Misty takes over because they're going up against a water Pokemon. But because of how types work, it doesn't make sense for a water Pokemon to battle a water Pokemon. The water gym leader shouldn't be stepping forward to battle water Pokemon because that's not how typing works. And also Ash shouldn't be sending fire Pokemon out against ground types. Even though he won somehow. Makes the golem so hot that he has to be recalled, which then makes the Pokeball hot. Overall thoughts? It's got a pretty dumb plot. It's definitely filler. But this is okay. It has some nice parts in it. Yeah, I think there were some nice moments, like with Team Rocket and everything, and, and, and Psyduck's battle, and, and them having a goal. But I felt like it got strung together poorly. For example, they needed to cross the bridge with a bike path. So suddenly they have to do this job so they can get given bikes to go on the bike path yeah this whole plot is just very contrived it felt like the storm and the drawbridge they're two things that weren't needed they were just added in there to give more tension it looked cool though yeah it looked cool i mean it was it was kind of fun to see both team rocket and ash both having to do these things ash wanting to do it and team rocket really i think i really enjoyed that how team rocket had this name from this bike gang where they've got this respect and they want them to prove it and go and do this thing by jumping over the strawbridge. And then it's like, I really don't want to do that. Jess and Jim make the episode. Nothing else to say apart from it was them titting about. Yeah, it's just another one of those filler episodes where they have to go from A to B. The second episode we're watching is Flower Power. Myotis Man sets his plans into motion and begins covering the city in fog and capturing civilians. Several of the kids' parents, amongst other civilians, are all herded into a shopping centre, where Phantomon and his Bakemon henchman keep them trapped. Sora and Mimi are trapped with Palmon, 
but are soon joined by Sora's mum and Bioman. They enact an escape plan using a boombox to enhance their chanting power, but are held back by a dark Tyranomon. Mimi's dad heroically fails to do anything, and Mimi triggers Togemon's ultimate digivolution to Lilymon to protect everyone. Lilymon neutralises the dark Tyranomon's virus stereotypes, and Myotismon turns up to take over. Meanwhile, Ty and Kari are on the run and bump into Matt, who is hiding with Gabumon. I tried to sum it up as briefly as possible, but there's a lot that happens. It does end quite abruptly. Yeah, it ends just with Myotismon attacking Lilymon. Okay, so it starts off with Ty giving us the last time on Digimon thing, and he makes a really good pun about saying how Myotismon took Gatomon under his grizzly wing, and I was like, I like that joke. And then it's almost like there's two things going on. There's one which is Myotismon putting his plans into action, which is good after the last couple of episodes we've had, which is basically just the kids spinning around in circles after the eighth child, and him just brooding in a, a parking garage or something. It's, it's good to see the plans come into action, and they're quite good. He's going to use this fog to essentially block off the island. It's also causing electronic failures. It's going to block up the sun so he can go out in the daytime. It's quite an effective plan, and he basically rounds everybody up. But at the same time, we also just get shots of the kids with their Digimon. Like We start off seeing Mimi and Palmon chilling by themselves in, I think it's a park, or it's, it's a little area outside the front of their house, like where they live. And it's Palmon getting nutrient to the ground, and she's saying that it's all gross and tastes weird, because obviously it's in the middle of a city. And then Mimi offering her water and stuff. It's, it's quite good, I like that. And then you see Mimi's dad, and they're talking, and they go home together. I thought that was pretty cute. And then we've got Joe, who, who's worrying about his test results, which is a nice little bit of foreshadowing for Try. I don't think they were really foreshadowing try at this point it's just sort of part of joe's character it's, it's nice to see them just having that time together talking and then matt's watching tv with gabumon which is kind of cool because it, like i said i like slice of life stuff and a lot of this is quite slice of larvae it's really interesting to see the kids hang out with the digimon in somewhere other than the digital world because now it's not the digimon's natural environment anymore it's the kids environment i don't think we've actually had this in the season before where they're just separate, but hanging out together with the partners. Apart from maybe Ty and Koromon in Home Away From Home. Been a few times in this arc, like Izzy and Tentamon or Ty and Ogumon. But they notice that um, the TV's playing up, and it cuts to a station where Joe is with Gomamon, and Joe's payphone card or something has a seal on it, and I love it. And then Mimi's leaving her room for some reason, and it doesn't really make sense why, but I think she's trying to sneak out or something. And her parents see her and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm dying my clothes pink again, which means there was a first time. At some point, her parents bought her clothes and she looked at them all and she was like, these need to be pink. It seems like something Mimi would do. And her parents are just okay with it. I think Mimi's parents are fantastic. Yeah, they're just really sweet. Her mom makes some food and it's rice with whipped cream and strawberries. And I think that's actually the thing it's supposed to be. So it wasn't just a dub joke. But then Mimi's dad's like, oh, this is delicious. And the mom's like, you mean that? Do you really mean that? And he's like, yeah, I actually really mean it. It's really good. And I'm like, that's so nice to see because there's that thing in a lot of shows where the mom is bad at cooking, especially in Digimon. But it's nice to see someone who's, yeah, might be different at cooking, but then her husband's really supportive and he's just like, yeah, I actually do really enjoy this food. It's really good that you have this quirky 
sense of culinary tastes. I get the impression you might just be lying to save her from being hurt. Nah, I think he genuinely means it. I think he's just like, yeah, this is actually good. Or maybe he's just used to the weirder tastes now. There's no way of really telling either way. So at some point, the Bakemon and Phantomon appear. And Phantomon's great because of the voice. The Bakemon are also cool because they're kind of scary as ghosties. Yeah, they go around rounding up people. And for some reason, they're in disguises that they immediately just remove as soon as the door opens. So I don't really get what the point of that is. Maybe they were going to the house in the disguise. So when people saw them, they just thought they saw people. But even so, they're supposed to be ghosts, so they should be able to go through the door anyway. At some point, Sora went to go play soccer, but the Bakemon appear at her house where Biomon and Sora's... Biomon attacks the Bakemon, right? Spiral Twist is out the door. Sora's mum sees Biomon. She's like, oh, you're alive. And Biomon's like, yep. But, you know, that's not the important thing right now. We have to go find Sora. And the line that Sora's mother says when talking to Beamon, she sounds a lot calmer than the animation suggests. She looks like she's freaking out, but the line's just something along the lines of, oh, you're actually alive? So they do a thing in this, in this episode a lot, which is Digimon digivolving off screen, and then you're just seeing their champion form. It starts off with Greymon. You hear the sound of Agumon digivolving, and then just suddenly Greymon bursts through a wall. After that, everybody's all in the convention center thingy, being all rounded up, and Sora gets the idea from the mind over matter thing. There's a, a callback to that, and I thought that was pretty cool, how they've taken something from literally episode 9 or 10 something like that and they've used it again against the same villain which was quite nice it's brought up really clumsily though this woman just turns to the camera it's completely stationary says something along the lines of you should stop listening to those tapes jeremiah it's so badly animated as well yeah and Sora's just like oh that's the tapes we could do something like that again we could go up with another chant and I don't know whether they've just recorded it over the tape that was in there. Or why all the adults in this situation are listening to this kid. So they play a tape of them saying, Bakemon lose your power. And there's a group of guys who are just attacking all the Bakemon. And they're in like stuffed animal costumes and stuff. It's, it's weird, but it's kind of cool. And then everybody escapes and you see Dark Tyranimon and Mimi's mom and dad are there. And Mimi's dad decides to drive a golf cart into it. Because that's the best plan. And it just swipes at him and he, he flies quite a distance when he gets hit and Mimi's panicking and she's like oh my parents are gonna get hurt from this situation I don't know what to do Palmon evolves into Togemon and Togemon is huge I know Togemon just seems completely the wrong size and I was trying to come up with a theory and I thought something along the lines of maybe the amount of the power that you use changes their size but then I'm like no stop trying to come up with an excuse it's just bad animation the scaling's been all over the place it's a giant Togemon fighting and that's okay and then we get Lilymon, which is cool because Lilymon's amazing. Because Mimi's just sincere about the fact that she wants to save her parents, I guess. And Lilymon throws some shade at Mimi for her outfit choices. Mimi says that Palmon's in bad taste, essentially. And then Lilymon's just like, am I in bad taste? And I'm really happy for that. It's really good. I like Lilymon's design. Lilymon mentions how she is Palmon and Togemon as well because they're all the same person, even though they, they look different. And I was like, that's a nice little insight towards Digimon, the Digimon side of things and how they feel about evolving. They change appearance, but they don't 
change personalities very much. Apart from in the case of like Patamon, who becomes much more mature when he digivolves. Definitely. And then the little bit with Joe, or is that after? I have no idea. There's just tons of little cuts to Joe on the side where he's just trying to get somewhere. Throughout this episode, there's a lot of cutting to different people in different situations, which is why it's hard to explain this episode in order. Because with something like Pokemon, it's followed the three characters going from A to B to C to D, and there's not been many cuts to other people except Team Rocket, but that happens a lot. But with this, there's, you know, at least the eight kids and their parents and also Myotismon and also the Bakemon in their places and stuff. And it, there's a lot of cuts to different things, which is interesting, but also it's really hard to get everything in order. I think it cuts to everyone apart from Izzy at least once in this episode. You don't see Izzy in this episode at all. But you get Gomamon just talking to Joe and Gomamon keeps saying that it could be worse and Joe just tells him to stop saying that and then immediately after says it could be worse. They're good together. I think they're really good for each other. It's funny. And then Lilymon's fighting Dark Tyranimon and uses flower cannon which is cool and then also puts a flower necklace around Dr. Anamon and it pacifies him and it's really smiling. You see him smile when Lilymon's petting him and then Myotismon appears and says that he sends him back to the digital world. I don't think he's done that. I think he's killed him. <laughs> Yet again, destroying all of his minions because that's what you do when you're a good leader. You you kill your subordinates. Yes, I, th I think I'm good for the position of manager. I know what I have to do. I have to kill the ones that don't do as I told. <laughs> if you fail, you get killed and then somebody else becomes the new manager. And it's like, that's that's not a good business system. It's not a legal business system. Yeah, but I don't think Mojusmon cares about the legal side of things. Digimon have rights. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Also, Ty and Kari are on the run and they hide out with Matt. And Ty tells Matt that Kari's the eighth child and Matt's like, what? Yeah, I forgot that. That's the, at the end of the episode. Episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's like right near the end. It ends quite abruptly. It just ends mid-fight between Myotismon and Lilymon, so it'll just pick straight back up in the next episode, I hope. But yeah, Ty didn't think to ring around everyone and tell them that Kari's the eighth child. He didn't think that was something important that everyone should know. At least we know that she's the eighth child now. What other notes have we got? I got quite into this episode, so I ended up having to re-watch the second half of it again just to try and make some more notes. Okay, well I've got a few little things. Go ahead. Myotismon has an evil laugh, and I actually quite like his evil laugh. It's a really good evil laugh and then they do it again with the animation going backwards which is a bit lazy. They reuse a lot of animation with Myotismon when he's creating the fog and setting everything up. Oh yeah, when he's splaying his hands around and causing the fog to appear. They use pretty much exactly the same animation twice in the episode. But anyway, with Myotismon's minions attacking everything and the parents finding out that Digimon exists, I actually really enjoyed the whole part where they were cutting between all the different parents encountering Digimon for the first time and having their different reactions and Matt's dad just saying uh, something about Gabumon and then Matt's like you know about Gabumon and he's like well of course Gabumon's right there he could see him how can he not know about Gabumon he's more confused about why his dad is so nonplussed about everything I suppose yeah it seems like he knows more than he should you never know Matt's dad could be one of the originals one other thing is that there's actually a scene with TK and his mum which is like I think the one scene with TK in, in this episode and TK doesn't have his hat on and that looks funny yeah his hat looks weird but it's also just a really interesting scene where TK persuades his mum to take him to meet up with Matt and the dad because he's worried about them because his parents are divorced and he can't see his brother which is Matt because they're brothers did you think it was too driven in in this episode or oh, that's just a reference to previous episodes where it's very obvious that they are brothers but in this one it, it was nice to have that sort of little reference to the family situation and TK wanted to do something about it at the time because it's an emergency especially with them having Digimon if there's anything bad gonna happen 
I can see TK's first reaction being, I need to go to Matt because he's also got a Digimon who can help in the situation. They've probably become a lot closer since they've been in the digital world. You don't really know how much time they spend with each other before, but I feel like if they've had all these adventures together, it's definitely going to bring everyone together, but also them as brothers. It would it would give them a stronger bond. It seems pretty selfish of the parents to have split them up and taken one each in the first place. But I suppose it makes sense for plot points. They could be swapping who looks after which one at a time, but it just doesn't give them an opportunity to hang out very often. Any more notes? I like Togemon's Digivolution animation to Lilymon. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And it makes sense because Cacti Bloom. I find it funny to imagine Mimi just screaming at Togemon's lifeless cactus body. Oh, I just like become like an empty husk on the floor. Just eh. What happens to that? Do you think it just fades? Or is it just still there? Just lay there like an empty husk? I think it's funnier that way. In a dark, twisted fashion. That's weird. What was your favourite thing in this episode? Basically, just most of this episode. It's the moments where the kids are with their Digimon or their families, and it's their downtime. Like I've said several times, I love slice of life stuff. I love seeing people just being with their families, being in normal situations. And there's a lot of that in this episode, and I really like it. My favourite thing is pretty much the same thing of just there's a lot of different things going on in different places with all the characters it's just a really busy episode it feels a bit like an episode of coronation street or something or a soap opera where there's lots of different stories happening and in one episode you cut to like five or six different parts of a story so overall not a lot of the story advances but all these little smaller storylines have all advanced a little bit yeah we've just got lots of little threads of plot all moving along at the same time and they all meet up at certain points like um we've had sora and sora's family mimi and mimi's family they've all come together and matt and ty have met up again and stuff like that it's quite cool it's better than just following the gang as a whole there's a lot more that they can do with them split up in this situation overall thoughts it was quite good yeah like i said i love the slice of life stuff and there's a lot of that in this episode it's good to see the last six episodes of basically nothing finally come to an end and it's ended in a good way a lot of things have happened in this episode we get to see the families which are all quirky and fun in their own ways it just feels like progress is happening and after quite a lot of not progress it's just a really good episode it's kick-started the second half of this arc really strongly the fact that they had to cut out evolution sequences they only had one which was palmon to togemon and then togemon to lilymon was the only digivolution sequence we had this entire episode the fact that they had digimon digivolving off screen kind of showed that they didn't have time to waste and the fact that it ended so abruptly it shows that they didn't have that much time to spare for the plot really good episode good enough for me to have to watch the second half of it again to write notes basically it was so good you watched it twice now it's time for mono a mono where we talk about the similarities and differences in these episodes so let's start with our monsters of the week mine is lilymon okay because i'm quite fond of lilymon's design isn't it the smallest ultimate it is basically just like a human it's just a person that's flowery yeah i just really like lilymon's design and attacks i think it's one of the most different evolutions because you can sort of see Garurumon to wear Garurumon. You can see Greymon to Metal Greymon. You can see the other ones. I think Birdramon to Garudamon's kind of a bigger step, but also they're the same colour and they're the same sort of thing. But with Togemon to Lilymon, it's a giant cacti into a small 
Flower Fairy, and it's quite good. It's a pretty Digimon. It is a pretty Digimon. My Monster of the Week is Phantomon, because its voice is ridiculous, but its design is really cool, with a giant elaborate scythe, and it's got a cloak and everything, and it just looks cool. Phantomon's really cool. Which one do you think had the better storyline? Digimon. It's just so much busier and less pointless. So much more happened, and they didn't have to artificially increase the tension. No, there were actual lives at risk. It wasn't just some Pokemon in a Pokemon center needs this medicine. We didn't even know what Pokemon it was as well until the very end. I think it might have had more impact if we'd seen the trainer of this Pokemon, if there was one. Yeah, that would have been quite good. This trainer would have just been like, oh, thank you so much, you saved his life. That would have at least given it more impact. But no, it's just random Pokemon that they saved. Any similarities? I couldn't really think of anything. Maybe you could say that there's gangs, if you consider the Bakemon to be a gang. Yeah, I, I couldn't really find one these episodes are so entirely different i don't know it just seems like they both seem to be going in different directions digimon's tension is now building up and up and up and up and there's so many more things at stake now there's like you know this entire city has been engulfed in fog and there are people's lives actually in danger and in pokemon they're so faffing pokemon's just always faffing it is all faff every episode is just here's a new problem and then they solve the problem and move on it's very rare that they actually have a sequence of episodes that are all one problem. And even then, I feel like there's just no character development in Pokemon. If you look at Ty from the first episode to now, he's so different. He's much more of a leader now. Even with like TK, especially with Matt, you know, his relationship with Matt's increased so much and they've become so much closer. But if you look at Ash and look at him compared to day one, he's still doing the, I don't know what Pokemon that is, get out the Pokedex. He's still sending out the wrong Pokemon types on occasion. I feel like they all get these character traits and they just are given them and they don't change them at all. It's sort of weird how Pokemon, even though the characters are constantly moving, they themselves never change. That's such a good line. That was deep. Which episode did you enjoy or prefer the most? Digimon, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. It was much more enjoyable. There was so much more packed into the episode. Everything felt right. Whilst in Pokemon... They added extra elements just to make it more tense. And I felt like they were faffing about and not actually doing the thing they need to do. They just got distracted by battles and stuff, which felt so written in just for the sake of them to do something this episode. Yeah, Pokemon just felt like a waste of time. You didn't really get much from watching it, unless you count the possible tiny amount of character development for Team Rocket. Or backstory, I guess you'd call it, not even development. Which I didn't know about before. No, I, I didn't know they were in a bicycle gang. So we learned something new about Team Rocket. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's the best thing to take away from this episode. They've been in a bicycle gang, they've been students at some point. That's pretty much all we know about them so far. We have a while to go, but there is an actual origin story for Team Rocket meeting up, like Jesse and James meeting up and everything. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. It's in like black white, so <laughs> we have a while to go. But it's something to look forward to. It's quite a good episode from what I remember. So we're giving the point to Digimon, making it... 1817 to Pokemon. Pokemon has been having the lead a fair bit, but Digimon seems to be clawing its way back up. What's it been like for the past maybe five episodes? Just very back and forth with Pokemon slightly getting ahead. But now I think Digimon might be catching up again. Especially with the arc being where it is, I do feel like there's going to be... This is a good opportunity for Digimon to claw its way back up, as long as Pokemon doesn't have too many interesting episodes. Join us again next time, and we'll be watching episode 36. City Under Siege and Ditto's Mysterious Mansion. You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher, where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, with the World Thread and email, which are all linked in the show notes. 
thank you for listening to us again and i do mean it like i, I know we always say it, but I, I do mean it thank you if you are listening and you've got to be listening to hear it but I, it, it does mean a lot yes it does thank you for listening bye sickle bye-bye butterfree primate no you're not doing this every episode you'll end up with a list like a long list you haven't done it for all the digimon that have died have any digimon died that are actually important do you want to start going Devimon, etamon Pumpkinmon, Katsumon, Dark Tyranimon. Then it would be a long list. <laughs>